0: Oh, hi! How's it going? How you doing today? I hope you're doing well, and I hope this episode also brings a smile to your face. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm Sarah Buino, your host, and this is a podcast where I interview people in healing professions, and we talk about the intersectional journey of healing self while taking care of others. I am a psychotherapist in Chicago, as well as a teacher, speaker, and podcaster extraordinaire. Couple things I want to share with you before we jump into this interview with Robin Wynn, wanted to share with you Patreon. You may have heard me mention that before. It's a place where if you appreciate the podcast, you can appreciate it monetarily. And it would be so appreciated then by me. So you can go to patreon.com and search for conversations with the wounded healer. And you could also do patreon.com slash wounded healer. That's W-O-U-N-D-E-D-H-E-A-L-R. Don't ask. I was trying to keep things the same. The other thing you could do for us, it's totally okay if you don't want to give money, no prob, but what you can do to support the podcast is rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you go to Conversations with a Wounded Healer in Apple Podcast and scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see a place where you can rate and review. And if you leave a five-star review that makes me laugh, I will read it out loud and tell everyone how awesome and amazing and hilarious you are. So a little incentive for that. Also, if you want to connect online, you can find me on Instagram at HeadHeartTherapy and on Facebook at Wounded Healer. Same spelling as above, H-E-A-L-R. Now, without further ado, let's talk more about our amazing guest, Robin Wynn. So first of all, before I read Robin's bio, I just want to say Robin was introduced to me by her amazing sister, Heidi. I met Heidi at NARM training. And we sit right next to each other in training, right in the front row, and we're just little, like, excited humans, just wanting to learn and soak everything up. And the more I get to know Heidi, the more I love her. And so as soon as she said I needed to interview her sister, I was like, no question, absolutely. So let me tell you about Robin. Robin is the best-selling author of Understanding Your Clients Through Human Design. Robin has an extensive background as a licensed therapist, somatic practitioner, diamond teacher, Dharma leader, and human design specialist. Her passion is to help coaches, therapists, and business owners use breakthrough technology to work more effectively with their clients. Robin lives on Maui with her wife of 38 years. Now this human design stuff is super deep. You're going to hear in this episode, it's a little bit different, I think, than most episodes. Robin really spent a lot of time reading my chart and talking about my personal stuff, and I was so blown away by it. I think I was kind of dumbfounded. So if you <laughs> if you ever wanted to hear me speechless, this is the episode in which to hear that. So I hope you enjoy this interview and this reading of mine with Robin Wynn. And now some info about our new sponsor. Now, normally I wouldn't advertise for anything that I didn't personally use myself, but I am excited to share this service with you because of the endorsement from one of my very, very best friends and guest from episode 19, Sarah Suzuki. So our sponsor today is the Receptionist for iPad, the top digital check-in software for therapy offices and behavioral health clinics. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple, modern, private way for your clients to check in for their visit. When a client checks in, an immediate notification is sent to the therapist via text or email. The Receptionist for iPad is a great tool to help automate visitor check-ins and allow your clients to get to their provider more quickly and discreetly. So Sarah Suzuki is the founder and director of Chicago Compass Counseling and she says, my staff love it. The second we implemented it, they said it was amazing and our clients really like it too. We wanted something convenient and proactive so clients aren't sitting in the waiting area wondering if their therapist knows that they're there. You too can use The Receptionist for iPad, and you can sign up for a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist by going to thereceptionist.com slash healer. Hello, Robin. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello, Sarah. I'm grateful to be here with you. I am so excited to have you here. And I want to tell people how this came to be. So your sister, Heidi, has become a soul sister of mine via the NARM training. And she was like, you've got to interview my sister. You've got to let my sister do your chart. You just mm. need to connect with her. And I, I love Heidi so, so, so much. Of course, I was like, absolutely, I want to do this. So I'm just so excited that you agreed. I love Heidi too, by the way. <laughs> I think she's yeah. fantastic. And she's one of my biggest
1: fans. So I'm glad that she shared with you.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we just jump off with you telling folks a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name's Robin Wynn, and I am the
1: recent best-selling author of Understanding Your Clients Through Human Design. So I work with therapists, coaches, businesses to help them understand who they are, who the people they work with are, so that you know we can cut through a lot of the projections and just see who we are, what our vulnerabilities are, what our strengths are and claim them and own them and work with them in a way that supports each individual person. Really for me human design is about differentiation. I was a body worker originally and then mm. a therapist And I studied a lot of different things. And I did a lot of psycho-spiritual work, the diamond work. And 25, 30 years in, I met human design. And it shifted how I saw my clients and how I understood them. Hmm. It shifted how I treated them. It took something off of me as the one who knows, even though I know Hmm. technically, theoretically, the client always knows. But there has been, anyway, in the way I was trained, even though I was trained in feminist psychology, there's still a hierarchy piece. Yeah, Someone's wounded and someone's coming to you as the wounded one who needs help. So it really shifted that and gave more power to the client
0: Mm. and more
1: equality between me and my clients, more respect.
0: That's wonderful. And I think, I I don't know if I've mentioned human design on here yet, because I just heard about it within the past maybe year and a half. I'd never heard about it before. And I know it's a super complex model but is there like an elevator pitch version that you can use to share with folks what it is
1: well it is a complex model it was channeled to a fellow off the coast of spain at the harmonic convergence 1987 they call him the reluctant mystic (laughs) (laughs) i love it he was on a retreat off the coast of spain a canadian and he came into his cabin and it was filled with light beings, and they downloaded this information And what they said was that this was for the evolution of humanity. It was for everybody. Each person is uniquely designed, and each person is part of a big, giant puzzle of humanity. And we each Mm. are here to bring something for the evolution of humanity, like our Mm. dharma, we could say, right? Right. But if you're trying to live somebody else's puzzle piece, not only are you going to suffer, but humanity, all of humanity loses out on what you're here to bring. Right. And he said, or they said, you know, this is for everybody, but most importantly, it's for parents to learn to parent their children. Because if parents know who their children are and aren't trying to project on them or make them into somebody, that starts off from all the work we have to do in therapy, right? Some of that can be mitigated by clear seeing of who that being is from a young age and supporting them to know their own inner guidance.
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: and their operating system, how they operate in the world. So the the pith of human design, and I try to make it as simple as possible. The pith of it is that we use your birth time, date and place. And we look at where the planets are at that time. And instead of being in like an astrology in houses and signs, they're in some combination of the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. The I Ching is an ancient divination system. So each one of those hexagrams, has information. I'll just look at your chart for a second and give you an example. Okay, let's do it. There's a conscious and an unconscious in this. So we create a body graph.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: your mm-hmm. son is in the gate 19, which is the gate of sensitivity. The biggest energy in your chart is sensitivity. You are a highly sensitive person. You're sensitive to your environment, You're sensitive to other people, and you have a chart with a lot of sensitivity in it. Mm. So that's going to need to be honored and respected. Someone with the GATE-19, mm-hmm. we say you should never criticize them.
0: <laughs> well, that did not happen in my childhood. But right. it all, yeah, all the criticism happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, like a, an
1: orchid you wouldn't come in with clippers with, you know, like a rose you'd come in and clip, but you wouldn't with an orchid, right? Mm-hmm. You,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: If your parents knew that about you, they would respond to you differently, hold you differently, protect you when someone did criticize you. Right. Your whole program is on the wounded healer. Like a lot of wounding happens when you have that gate 19 it has to, because our culture mm-hmm. is not sensitive, right? So you then tune into other people's sensitivities. You're highly aware of other people's sensitivities. It matters to you. Sensitivity matters.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's part of the puzzle piece you're bringing, right? That's part of the gift you bring.
0: It's a service. Yeah. You said that at the beginning, before we recorded, Robin said, it's a great service you're doing. And I was like, is it like, oh yeah, it's a service. And I keep, I keep kind of forgetting that and and hearing it again, that I'm doing something to help and heal myself that can also help and heal hopefully others. Yeah.
1: Well, that puts, you know, the finger right there, like our wounding is our service ultimately, right? The healing of our wounding is what we have to offer. Right. In human design, there's the planet Chiron is the wounded healer, right? So in your in your Chiron, you have the gate 27 in your conscious and unconscious. The 27 is a caretaker, it's a nourisher. So there's been some wounding from your chart around caretaking. Either giving when you didn't have a yes to give,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: codependency, all kinds of things could come with that woundedness, Mm -hmm. right? That vulnerability. But as you learn to heal that, then you know how to nourish people in a real way, you know, in a a way that supports the tribe rather than diminishes you and depletes you. Yep.
0: Nailed it. (laughs) And it's what's so, I want to back up just for a little bit. And we get woo-woo on the podcast here very often. So I'm sure most people are like, just like super into it. But for those people who aren't, the reason that I... Believe in astrology. I believe in all these things. One is that as a therapist, and I'm sure you've found this too, people will come in with the same themes. Like there, there'll be a week and the week is on, trust, trust this week. That's the thing for everybody, right? Or communication misunderstandings or, or whatever it is. But there are themes that happen. And then whenever I would go to my therapist and say what's happening in the planets right now, and she'd be like, "Ah, oh, oh, conjunct this and square that and Pluto and Chiron and all of it. And But the theme would be whatever I was experiencing with my clients. And also- the fact that human design, the Enneagram, astrology, all of these things are overlapping and they all say the same thing about me, at least in my exploration of, of all of these forms and the whole download thing. I'm so into the evolution of consciousness right now and I'd love to hear, I'm sure you have way more information than I do about it, but I've just been thinking recently just from a psychological standpoint, if we look at the evolution of psychology and our understanding of how to parent how different it is for people even of my generation than it was of my parents' generation. And hopefully now we are creating more space for consciousness evolution because parents are doing their work to actually raise a child in alignment with who they really are. And it's just, how can we we not believe in these big things? It feels like so obvious to me. Yeah. And
1: sometimes it takes people a while to tune into that, right? It's kind of like a frequency you tune into. And once you yeah. see it, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. It's true. Right. Because I know I used to be like astrology. I, I used to do the same thing years ago. And then it just was all true. Like you, <laughs> when, you, when you have the proof, it's like, huh? Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: It's hard to deny it.
1: So are you okay with me talking a little bit more about some vulnerabilities in your chart? Let's do it. Okay. All
0: the secrets revealed.
1: <laughs> in human design, In this body graph, there's nine centers. I know you're looking at your chart right now. They're either colored in or they're white. So in the chart, things are either colored in or white. Where you're colored in in your chart, you're broadcasting those energies 24-7. Where you're white or open in your chart, you're receiving the broadcasts of the people around you and where Hmm. the planets are. Where you're open. So this is why it's so helpful for a therapist or a coach or a business, where you're open are your pain points and your God portals. Hmm. So for instance, you and I both have an open, what's called G center or identity center. We're not designed to have a fixed identity. Hmm. We're never going to get our identity from any role we take on. We can take it on like an actor or an actress, but it's not who we are. This was a big healing for me because I was trying to be somebody, right? I came from a background. My dad was a surgeon. My mom was a pilot. I, you know, my brothers went to Ivy League schools. I thought I needed to be somebody. I was going to be a yeah. professor or, you know, a therapist or, you know, I was trying to be somebody, but I studied too many things. I was too diverse and too, just too many things. I was that adage, you know, dig one. Well, never worked for me. And the open G isn't designed to do one thing. They're designed to taste all the different things and be wise about direction in life but not to have a fixed direction. What happens with that open G, because we get so much identity from what we do and so much feeling of being loved is that we can question our lovability when we have an open G. It's like the people you know with with a defined G, my wife has a defined G, they walk around and they're just Mm -hmm. solid in themselves. It's like a privileged state. They're just solid. They just know who they are. But that's not true with an open G. And it can feel like something's wrong with you. And this is what I love about human design. We're not wrong. This is how mm-hmm. we're designed. And yes, it's a vulnerability, but it's not wrong, right? And the path the path is to realize we're love itself. Nothing we can do or be, no role we can take on is going to prove that we're lovable. We just are love. But that's a path. That's a journey, right? That's becoming a wounded healer.
0: Absolutely.
1: But if you see any of your clients with an open G, you're going to immediately have compassion for how they're navigating the world because they don't have direction. They've got a path there. That's one of their journeys. You know, one of my clients I saw for years, I saw for maybe 20 years, had an open G. Always, we looked at her mother issues. She never felt seen, but it's her chart. You can take it off of that story and
0: work it within yourself. Yeah, there's something about when you are really seen by a modality, right, by this chart, by the Enneagram, there's something that I think validates that experience that then diffuses the concentration of the pain of the experience, right? Yeah, that's what happened to me. In my
1: case, you have a defined head in Ajna, so you have some ground in your thinking, you get right mm-hmm. brain downloads. So no wonder you liked that download thing. You get right brain downloads. Yeah. That's how you operate. Not from the logical so much, but from the right mm-hmm. brain downloads. I have an open head, an open Ajna. We both share the open throat. I have an open G. I have an open will. I It's just like navigating without any rudder, right? As a kid growing mm-hmm. up, I didn't know what I thought. I couldn't hold on to ideas in school. Nobody heard Mm. me when I spoke. The open throat Mm. has a hard time being heard unless they wait to be invited or are seen. So lots of pain there. You're
0: nodding your head. A lot of pain. It's funny because when I read that part of your book about the open throat, I was like, but I'm a singer. I'm a speaker. I'm a teacher. But I guess that's probably the overcompensation because the theme in my childhood is not being really heard and understood.
1: I wouldn't say it's an overcompensation. I would say it's living your design because the open throat, Bill Clinton, open throat, the open Mm, throat mm -hmm. takes in the environment and channels through their voice. Mm. Singers. It's perfect. It's like speakers, beautiful therapist. Fantastic. Because you can, when you speak, you have this sensitivity. Here's the sensitivity again to hone into exactly who you're speaking to and meet them with your tone of voice. You have all this facility that you're not even doing, it's doing through you. Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to have a voice, if you're not trying to be heard, if you let it come through you, right? You know you stand up there to sing, and if you let let it go, God coming through your
0: voice, right? Spirit. yeah. It's really funny you should say that. That's a thing that I, I I don't sing as much anymore when I did when I was growing up. That was probably direct feedback that I'd gotten from, you know, singing in church or something that like God is singing through you and, and whatnot. And that's really interesting you say that.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing with the open throat. I don't know what I'm going to say until I say it. The way mm-hmm. you set up this podcast, I don't prepare. You say, I don't prepare. Right. See right. what <laughs> comes yeah. through. That's open mm-hmm. throat activity. Someone Mm -hmm. with a defined throat can know what they're going to say and say it. But with open throat, it's almost like, for me anyway, I hear it as it's coming out of me.
0: Yeah. I'm just so fascinated by this and the whole recognition that it's so new, you know, 1987. And yeah, I'm a little like... I'm doing a movement of like, my energy is like above my head right now. And I'm trying to like bring myself back in my body. It's funny, as soon as we opened the little interview thing here, I just felt this tremendous, warm, loving energy coming from you, which I said, like, you feel like Heidi, you feel like her to me like that energy. And there's there's something happening right now. And I don't know what it is. I can't put words around it. But I'm having an experience. Thank you. Yeah. So
1: I love that you said that because actually human design, it's a transmission. Raw, the fellow Canadian, got the transmission. It's here available for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's a quantum field kind of zap of, oh, to see ourselves. One of my clients said, I feel like God just gave me a picture of myself and said, look, this is who you are.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah.
1: So if you weren't wrong for being sensitive... If I wasn't wrong for not knowing my direction in life, you know, if we were supported to like, well, try everything. You're here to try everything. Go try
0: it. Right and so much of our culture tries to be so direction focused and so you know it's all about success right whether that be measured in in our job performance in money in you know you should have a relationship and kids and all of these sorts of things it's so not aligned with with how we really need to move through the world in order to be tuned in with ourselves and our our authentic gifts
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. This is about differentiation. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Like in our bodies, when we age, we become undifferentiated. We have less capacity if we're walking to feel a stone underneath our foot. So we fall. In our culture, as we become undifferentiated, as we think everybody should be the same, we lose Mm. capacity. We lose intelligence. Right? Hmm. So, the more differentiated we can allow each person to be and respect and support them in that,
0: the more intelligent our entire culture becomes. And I imagine while at the same time holding that we're all part of the same whole.
1: Yeah, it's like the puzzle. Again, that puzzle analogy is so good. It's like a multi dimensional yeah, puzzle.
0: I like that. Each one.
1: one of us is necessary as we are. And that's where the wounded healer comes in as we are with our wounding, right? We're necessary. All my wounding has, has enabled me to help all the people I've helped.
0: So I imagine you, you do identify with the wounded healer archetype. I definitely
1: identify with that. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, healing is really seeing the truth, seeing what's a snake and what's a rope. Mm -hmm. Like looking at your chart and saying, oh yeah, you were vulnerable in that area. Of course. That's not a problem. We don't need to medicate you for that, yeah. oh, you're you've got an open emotional solar plexus. You get whacked by people's feelings. Hmm. It's hard for big
0: feelings, of course, yeah. I'm just drinking. <laughs> I'm being a terrible interviewer right now because I'm just soaking in the bigness of this. and the, like you said, discerning like healing is the truth, knowing the truth. And, yeah, this just all makes so much sense to me. Let's talk about you a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I'll just tell people, you know, you had said like, is it okay to talk about your chart? And I'm like, yeah, there's, I don't think there's anything like, there's no fear. I think what's happening for me right now is I have a job to do. And as I'm receiving, I feel like I'm putting my job aside and that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So that's what's happening for me, I think. But I'm not going to judge that. Mm -hmm because I think that's part of the process too. Yeah. Well, I'll say one more thing about your chart while I got you on the hot seat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So again, we have the conscious and the unconscious because we're dealing with the time of your birth and three months roughly prior to your birth, we call the unconscious. Mm -hmm. Your conscious moon is in gate 51. And I'll talk about that in a second. And your unconscious moon is in gate 19, right? We're back to 19. So You've got your sun in 19, you've got your moon in 19, you've got Mars in 19, you've got Mercury in 19. This sensitivity thing is a big deal for you, mm-hmm. right? You like to talk about people's sensitivities. You're driven by understanding sensitivity, working with sensitivity. In any situation, it's right, it's front and center for you. Yep. Let's add a little twist in there because your conscious moon is in the gate 51, which is the gate of shock. You're designed to be
0: shocking. (laughs) (laughs) It's just amazing how right on it is. Yes, go on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be shocking or to be in an environment where you're shocked. Mm -hmm. Shocking Mm -hmm. things happen to you, in your Mm -hmm. life, around you. That is a constant thing that's never going away. That drives you. The shock drives you. Now, let me tell you about that shock. It's got a high side and a low side, right? These are archetypes, these energies. Mm -hmm. The high, I'm getting chills here. The high side of shock is it's shamanic, it's to wake people up to love.
0: Yes, I've been literally saying that lately that I'm not trying to figure out, I'm trying to open. To download, essentially, what is my method for waking people up? Do, is there something I'm supposed to create in order to do that? But that's, that's what I've tuned into. That is my sole purpose. Yeah.
1: Since you brought that up, I'll just say, you've got this gate 43 in Uranus. So in a very unexpected, surprising way, you're here to bring something. You're here to look at something that's been looked at throughout lifetimes and see it in a new way. Hmm. And then try to articulate it, That the, the job the challenge is to try to articulate that. Yeah. So you're in the process of getting the right brain download. You've got tons of ideas. You're here to make a creative contribution. You're not going to be happy unless you're making a creative contribution. <laughs> right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's very grounding for you is to look at the past, look at stories from the past, Mm -hmm. and pause and reflect on that and get the meaning in that and then bring that forward
0: as a teaching. Robin, literally, literally this past week, I've been trying to figure out, do I write a book? Do I write an album? Do I create some sort of other thing? And the way that I'm putting it together right now is essentially telling my story through relationships, which is part of the generator thing, right? Yeah. Dude, Robin, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You guys, do you hear this? She's like nailing it. (laughs) It's trippy. Isn't it wild? It's so wild. And I don't know you. I know
1: nothing about you. Heidi told me you had purple hair. That's all I knew. Like, so imagine a therapist having this information about a client.
0: Yeah. Well, can you explain because, you know, you said what what was so awesome is it it takes a lot of the pressure off you and and gives it back to the client and you're telling my story, right? Like and so I don't feel like you have the power necessarily, but it's for the therapist to have all this knowledge going into it might seem intimidating and I'm curious how you utilize that in giving back the story to the client.
1: Yeah, well, uh, just to be completely Up front right now, I'm not doing therapy. That's not my modality anymore. My modality Mm -hmm. really is teaching therapists, teaching coaches, supporting them and using it because I feel like it's time for this information to be out there. It's such a useful tool. But I mean, I actually do have, I do coaching and I still have some clients I've seen for a long time through the therapy model. But what I do is I share the chart with them. They become the owner of the chart. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm sitting here with all this information about you. It's like I'm showing you. You're looking at your chart right now. It's a mirror. Mm -hmm. It's a mirror. You've got your own mirror now. You can see that. You can look at your chart and see where you're open and say, oh my gosh, you can see as a visual, I've got an open throat. You can learn. I'm a generator. I'm here to respond. I need to practice following that inner GPS. It's empowering to you. It's tools for you. Really, that's how I see it. It becomes a tool for the client. You have a couple in there. One's a projector. One's a generator. These are two operating systems, right? Mm -hmm. And you suddenly understand all the differences without pathologizing anyone. This is difference. We're talking about difference. We're pointing out difference and celebrating difference and learning how to work with different operating systems. It's like cultures. It's someone with the open G is from a different culture than someone with a defined G. Yeah. It's really cultural awareness, would be one way to say it. Right. Internal culture. Internal culture and relational culture.
0: Yeah. How did you come to, since we're just talking about this, like, (laughs) you know, creation of things and, and whatnot, how did you come to this recognition of like, I'm supposed to write a book on this. I'm supposed to not just use this for clients, but use this to help therapists help clients. How did you come to that?
1: Well, that's a great question. I started teaching small groups of people human design because, you know, you want the people around you to know it and understand it, right? It makes life easier. Like, I'm in a woman's group, so I read everybody's charts in my woman's group so we could understand each other. And I live on Maui, so I did a workshop here on Maui for people on Maui. You know, I always knew I was supposed to write a book. Since I was 10 years old, I was Mm. supposed to write a book. I knew that. I'm a writer. I am. That's what I am. But I never wrote a book. And I'm 61 now. And when I hit 60, it was like, it's time to write this book. I'd all, always been told by astrologers, it's not if you write a book, it's when. And being a generator, first of all, I have an open throat. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> right? It's got to come through me. So honestly, I was on the internet and these workshops started coming up of write a book in nine weeks, basically, with Angela Laria. And I'm like, my sacral started saying yes, right? I'm listening to my inner sacrum, my inner GPS, something showing up in my field. My mechanism is designed to respond to what's in my field. It shows up. I have a yes. If I have a yes for something, I'm going to follow that yes. Right. So that's how it unfolded. I knew I was ready to have this be out in the world. I knew it had to be bigger than the people I could touch individually. It's just yeah. too big. And I knew I had a
0: capacity to make it simple. It's a very complex system. The way that you wrote it, as I was reading it, I was so impressed how simple you made it. Yeah. I made
1: it for a therapist. I wrote it. I actually, in, in my program, you write to one person as a love letter. You write your book as a love letter. And I mm. wrote it to a friend who's a therapist who, she was having trouble with a client. And, you know, I did her chart. She's like, this could maybe help me with my client. Read the client's chart and it got them going again. This is a highly successful therapist. But, you know, you come into impasses with people. Right? Gosh, if, if I could do this for therapists, if I could use this with coaches, just mm-hmm. think how much more quickly they could support their clients on their paths and how empowering it would be.
0: I'm all about making it usable. What you were just saying too makes me think about, I feel like we are in such a time of of transition right now. And something that I've noticed lately is the shift from the typical therapy model to something more expanded than that. And I what my best friend, one of my best friends, is is trying to figure out how to make that shift right now because there's such restriction and boxes around what our licensure is supposed to do and not supposed to do. And yet we are being called to dig in and do this deep work. And that doesn't fit in traditional psychotherapy all the time. Definitely not not in the insurance model.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And if you look historically, Mm -hmm. psychotherapy has always pressed an edge, you know, it continues to press. And this feels like, I mean, honestly, the coaching world has been kind of a threat to the psychotherapy model in a way. And, you know, I'm a Therapist turned coach, I would say that. Mm-hmm. I bring all my therapy knowledge, but I don't work in a system of pathology. I think the therapy world has to, has to grow if it's going to stay viable. Unless, right. of course, we keep pathologizing the whole culture, which we're doing a pretty good job of. But the, mm-hmm. the possibility is to shift from pathology to empowerment and to seeing who we really are. Stop trying to make ourselves be different than who we are. Come to peace with who we are.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing I find, because addiction is my main specialty. So most of the clients I work with struggle with addiction. And I always say that people with addiction are called to a higher purpose, because otherwise, the universe wouldn't have punched you in the face with, (laughs) with like, it's time to do your work, like, and I'm going to force you to do it, or you're going to die. Like, literally, that's, that's what happens. And I, I'm often saying that to my clients that it's we have to, Figure out who you really are, not who you've been pretending to be. Exactly. So if you have someone, if you're working with someone with addiction, who's
1: got an open identity center, for example, and they're trying to get love, if they can see that and know that you've got a to toehold and bringing awareness in a new way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say in your chart, your life is very supported by rhythm. Most people, mm-hmm. many people's aren't, but yours is in working with clients, working in a regular way. Actually, rhythm is part of your spiritual path.
0: You're someone who should meditate or do something regularly. Oh, I do. I, and (laughs) I've been very rigid in my schedule, so I'm actually proud of myself for shifting out of that a little bit. But, but yeah, I do. I've recognized like I do need to have a regular schedule in order to feel okay.
1: It's your spiritual path. It works for you now. Let's just go back to addiction for a second. If someone had the gate fifteen, the gate of extremes, then they would do things in extreme ways. They wouldn't hmm. do things in a rhythmic way. Yeah, I don't know if this is helpful as I'm describing it, but it could yeah. be a vulnerability for someone with a, an addiction. Actually,
0: right, right, yeah, that's that's really interesting. It would be so interesting to compare.
1: Exactly, and what mm-hmm. I'm noticing with myself as I start to work with businesses is certain people attract certain kinds of people. They might attract projectors or they might attract people who have a certain configuration.
0: Well, I think you said in your book that you're attracting the gate to to make the bridge whole, right? Right. I wish I have to put up an image somehow with this so so people can see what this looks like because without getting the picture of it, it's kind of hard to picture what these bridges and the, and the gates really look like.
1: Yeah, so the whole puzzle piece is just like a puzzle piece, we're electromagnetic. So we're looking for someone who's going to hook up our puzzle piece to empower us, right? Like with you, you've got the gate of intuition. I've got the hookup gate that goes to the throat. So when we're together, you can speak your intuition. I can touch into my intuition better because I'm taking in your access Mm. to intuition, and you have more access to your throat. You can speak your intuition clearly.
0: Mm. It's just so cool. I know. <laughs> I know. Women <laughs> yeah. are
1: so cool. We're so cool.
0: And so complex. Well, what do you suggest for people? Because I'm sure someone's listening to this and going, I don't know what they're talking about and I have to know more. Obviously, get your book. We'll post the Amazon link to that so people can buy your book. Where else do you suggest that people go and people can work with you essentially as a coach, right? Yeah, You can buy my
1: book. Happy to have you buy my book. I'm also happy if you want to send me an email with Sarah as the headline to gift you a copy of my book. Happy to do that. That's very generous. Yeah. Happy to do that. I I want this information out there. So if you send it to my email, Robin, Mm R-O-B-I-N, at com, I'd love to send you my book.
0: Wow. You guys send her an email. That is a very generous offer. <laughs> and tell your friends to buy it.
1: Yeah, no, I want this out. I want people to be using it. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And if people are interested in working with clients and using it with clients, absolutely contact me, shoot me an email, let me know.
0: Yeah. It's really my passion. And would you, would you briefly describe the the different types, generator, manifestor, all of that? Excellent question. <laughs> yes.
1: So in human design, I, I'm talking about this big puzzle, right? And there's basically five major puzzle pieces, five major designs, right? Like we have the sky, we have the earth, we have the plants, right? And so if you think of it that way, and then there's all this nuance within each one of those puzzle pieces. Each one of these puzzle pieces, these five puzzle pieces, has an operating system. So the largest puzzle pieces are two. We kind of put them together together but they're, they're, they're together and they're separate. They're called generator and manifesting generator. 70% of the population are those two types, 35% each percent each roughly. Mm-hmm. And people like you and me, we're both generators, right? People who are generators have what's called this sacral motor. We have this energy PS. We have sustainable energy. We're here to create. We're here to master. We're here to work. We get our pleasure, our joy from working. I talk about it in my book, like being working dogs. Mm-hmm. We actually yeah. get energy from working. If we're not working, we're sitting home chewing our, you know, hair, or chewing yeah. up the couch, or something like that. Yeah, that, that we're here to master. We're here to work. We're here to find our right work, and we do that by following this yes/no pathway. Something comes into our field, a person, a video on, you know, the web, whatever, comes into our field and our sacral goes, yes. Or something comes in and it's like, no, you have a yes for working with addiction. You know, you've got that gate of shock. I mean, how great is that? That's Mm -hmm. your puzzle piece. And you have a, you know, you're selling a message to humanity. You're giving a message to humanity, but you're following your yeses and nos, right? We're saying the world is so messed up right now because that motor, people aren't hooked up to their inner GPS and manifesting generators are doing things they have a no for. So really important to honor our yeses and nos and have parents honor their children's yeses and nos, right? So that's the generator, the manifesting part of the manifester generator. I'm just going to get technical for one second. Whenever there's four motors in this chart and whenever one of those motors gets to the throat, It's a manifestor. It's like energy going to the Mm. throat, right? Mm. In the beginning was the word. We manifest through our Mm. words. So we can be heard. When you have a motor to your throat, you can be heard. You can impact. So the manifesting generator is responding and then impacting, initiating. So those are two of the types. The next type is called the projector. And they're 21% of the population. Deeply misunderstood. Mm. They need to be invited or acknowledged before they speak or act. Just imagine how hard that is in our culture when we're all taught to be generators for one. They don't have sustainable energy. They're the wise guides of humanity. They're here to guide us, not to do, not to be the doers. I talk about them in my book more like cats, cat energy, like,
0: mm, you know, mm-hmm. they,
1: they roll up and they curl up and they, they're they organized around what feels good to them, not what are they doing. And again, so this is a misunderstood puzzle piece. Obama, mm. projector, right?
0: Mm. Uh, JF
1: Kennedy, projector. They're very relational mm. and they're very wise about other people, but they can't be heard unless they're acknowledged. So it's it's a it's a tricky thing for projectors they have to be very skillful in how they show up. Otherwise they end up feeling bitter and they end up feeling useless or they try to be generators and they burn out. A lot of the burnout today is from generators doing things they have a no for or projectors trying to be like generators. Mm. Yeah. So the the third type is called a manifester, pure manifester, mm-hmm. and they're 8% of the population, and they're here to really impact people, impact situations, get things going. In the past, we've thought of them more like generals. And again, very hard for parents to parent this type. If you know you know the story of Finn, Heidi's transgender child, he yeah. was a manifester. Mm. Manifestors don't think they need to be parented. They're the boss. They're here to impact. People don't like being impacted. Parents don't like being impacted for the most part. They Mm want to be the boss. They think they know. But this puzzle piece is going around impacting people, initiating things, getting things going. Again, each one of these has a strength and a vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. Many manifestor adults have been crushed. They've been like wild stallions that were broken. Right, So they don't Mm. even know their power. But really, we want to support the manifestors to fully step into their power. We want to support these manifestor children to be in their power. So the final type is called a reflector. And when you look at that chart, all of their centers are white. They're taking in everything and amplifying it. They don't really have a self in a certain way. Someone who could be pathologized easily, right? They're so fluid. They're changing all the time. You know, one of my close friends here on Maui is a reflector, incredible therapist, phenomenal therapist. I don't know if you heard the story of the woman who got lost in the forest here on Maui for like 17 days. Nobody could find her. She was a reflector. Wow. Yeah, it's like they're here to reflect the health and well-being of an environment. Hmm. There's a canary in the coal mine. So those are the basic five pieces. And if you're a therapist and you know your puzzle, the puzzle piece of your client and you can support mm-hmm. them, you're going to ask them different questions, right? This is all in my mm-hmm. book. Right. You're going to ask right. them different questions. A generator, you always want to ask yes, no questions to. So mm-hmm. you're going to treat them differently. You're going to empower them in a different way. Yeah. Right. So start working with someone in addiction, you're going to want to ask them yes, no questions. If they're a projector, you're going to say, I'm wondering what you would feel about this, or wondering what your thoughts are about this.
0: Yeah. It's an added layer on top of the psychological wounding that happens. (laughs) You know, there's just, it's so layered, it's so complex. I wish, I wish I would have left two hours for us to talk because there's just so much and we'll have to do another interview maybe and and have some sort of specific bent on it so that we can dig in more. But I'm sure people are going to be very intrigued and interested in this. I would love that. Well, to wrap up, is there anything that you didn't get to share or say that you think is really important for listeners to know?
1: First of all, I've just really appreciated being with you. Your presence is lovely
0: Thank you. And
1: I deeply appreciate how you've taken your puzzle piece and mm. really are using it. You know, you're living your dharma with it. So thank you. That benefits all of us, really. Thank you. Yeah. And I guess I say that's what we want for all of our clients, right? We want them to live their dharma. And how do we support them in that? And right. I just say human design is a fantastic breakthrough tool to help with that. Yeah.
0: Well, Robin, thank you. Thank you for putting this out in the world, for using, for using your puzzle piece to help heal.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We can talk about that next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Because I am here to bring something new. That is my, my son is in that energy of like,
0: let's bring something new. Wonderful. Well then, until next time.
1: Okay, many blessings. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much to Robin. So if you're interested in learning more about human design, you can absolutely get Robin's book. I am probably myself going to get a one-on-one reading with her so that I can get more information because a couple of the things that she said really have been so helpful to me. I I just, I can't wait to learn more. So to find more information about Robin, you can visit our website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Klunder and the creative imposter studios for editing to Liam O'Donnell for the album art and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Thanks again until next time. Bye. Bye.